Hello and welcome to a week three edition of Establish the Bets. My name is Adam Levitan. Each and every Friday night this year, I am joined by King Sharp of the NFL Streets, Matthew Davidow, to talk all things betting sides and betting totals. One more time for this. You guys know me. I don't think very many people long-term on NFL sides and totals. Was He was one of the most successful NFL bettors before getting on the other side of the counter, starting the odds-making company Deck Prism, which recently merged with Huddle. So now Matt is out there taking bets, taking big bets, taking on all comers. Matt, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me, Adam. Good to see you again. Yes, sir. Okay. I wanted to just take a quick look back uh, at week two. Most importantly, our Lions, hashtag Restore the Roar, got the win. Regardless, that, that was very important. I thought there were some interesting line moves that I'm wondering if you had any thoughts on. It looked like to me there was a lot of money on the Panthers, which we talked about last week. That line moved. There was a huge line move, I thought, on Jacksonville, which was sharp. There was a line move, I thought, on the Saints against the Bucks. Any thoughts on some of the line moves last week or what people should be thinking about when they see lines move? Well, I think, like you said, Adam, the Carolina took a lot of money on, on game day. The Saints was mostly two-way on game day. I'm not sure where it was Friday night. That obviously moved early in the week. You know, Tampa had a lot of injuries. The early week was obviously very, you know, well, not obviously. I think Tampa ended up winning the game by a couple of scores. But from where the line closed and the actual play on the field, the three, two and a half was probably the right right line there, you know, where it closed. People taking three and a half, four early in the week, definitely, uh, you definitely had good bets. Uh, the other game, you oh, the, the Colts, you had, I mean, <laughs> That that was definitely a game where a couple groups or a number of people that saw not only the Colts play, the injuries. I think that Jacksonville could be looked at as a little bit better in the market than I'm really giving them credit for. We can talk about that game this week. They're in they're in uh, LA to play the Chargers, who may not have uh, Herbert and might line with a bunch today, you might have seen. Yeah. And I don't know what caused that Jacksonville. I don't know how much of it was. Simple, a simple rating difference between Jacksonville in the line and Jacksonville per the uh, the people betting it, or if it was more the Colts and their injuries. Yeah, well, Michael Pittman, I thought was a big injury for them, and I don't think you know you can't say oh you know X wide receiver is worth a half point or one point or whatever. I don't think Michael Pittman's really worth any points, but they're so thin at wide receiver, anyways. I thought that was a big injury with them. And my other thing is Jacksonville is like a team people want to bet on on the rise. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, new coaching staff, like. They are an ascending team that I think people like maybe more than uh, what the market originally showed. But anyways, week three. Week three. So I, I want to start with this Herbert stuff. So I was actually doing a show, and I had this unabated uh, odd screen up. And I'm looking, and I see sevens, seven, seven, seven. And then next thing I know, four, uh, six, five, four, all the way down to three. So maybe you can pull the curtain back for people a little bit with what happened today with the Chargers line? So one thing to realize, this is a very, very thin market. Most books that have very low limits, if they take a bet, they're going to move hard. If they see if they see other books move, they're going to move hard. And a lot of times when it comes to this, this, this quarterback news, I think we see a lot of FOMO, fear of missing out, where if a better sees a line moving, they automatically think, Oh, that must mean he's out. And then they go to pile on too. Then somebody else sees it moving. They're like, oh, he must be out. And then they, they go to pile on too. And I kind of think that happened today. Suppose you know, Herbert didn't practice. 
Supposedly that was planned. Now, I thought he was a dog to play early in the week. Then when I got told he was a favorite to play, I kind of just supposed that. I mean, what do, what do I know? And I, I don't actually know his, his status. Then after practice, they were very clear to again say, no, he was not supposed to throw it all today. So but meanwhile, like you said, the line moved, you know, from seven to, or it was like six and a half, six and three quarters, probably closer to that. It moved all the way from there to like, where is it now? Like the three and a quarter. And I think there was actually information today. Now, maybe six and three quarters was just too high. And when people saw him really not practicing today, that was their go time to start betting. But I think what happened was a, not a lot of bets, but you know, a lot of FOMO. When it started moving, it just kept moving, it kept moving, it kept moving. I I would expect it to, to creep back up from here. I mean, this like this line looks low to me if Daniel's playing. So <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, to me, the Chargers are one of the most talented teams. Period. I mean, even if you remove, remove Justin Herbert, I mean, they have one of the most talented teams in the NFL. I think they can win with Chase Daniel. But yeah, I just thought it was interesting. And, and how and, good is Herbert? Like, what, seventh, eighth, tenth best quarterback? Like, and where would Daniel be if he was a starter, like 25th? I yeah. don't know this that big of a drop off. Well, I think Herbert, it sounds like I think Herbert's a little bit better than you do. But yeah, I mean, that that's that's certainly fair. Uh, we'll keep an eye. Somewhere between that. fifth and you can't put him more than fifth, right, Herbert? Right, right. And I'm not, yeah, somewhere in there. He's okay. Um, okay. I want to ask about teams left for dead. So, you know, in my fake sharp, in my uh, idiot brain, one of my best favorite things to do is think about if I went into a bar and I asked 100 people in the bar who's going to cover a game, if 100 of them say one side, I want the other side. And nobody wants to bet on Carolina, I don't think, against New Orleans, plus two and a half. No one wants to bet against the Jets, plus six against Cincinnati. No one wants to bet against the Titans, plus one and a half against... Mm. The Raiders. Is this a reasonable way to think about things? If everybody likes one side, in the public, I mean, and the line's not moving, is the other side the quote-unquote right side? Or how do you think about these teams that just like seems like nobody in the public wants to put money on? Yeah, I think in general, especially at this point of the season, I mean, it's week three. These teams have played two games. They don't. No one is probably as bad as they looked in the first two games, I and mean, no one's as good as they looked. It definitely, you see the scenario where 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 the the play on the field gets over overweight the market. I also though don't really think that like the people in the bar have much influence at all on the market. Like yeah, in some games in big games, I mean Kansas City Colts could be a game that's influenced some. I definitely expect every recreational better to be betting the Chiefs. Meanwhile, already it's it's funny because I don't know what they're in a hurry for. I've seen groups falling falling all over themselves to bet the Colts this week. There's lots of money on the Colts. I I don't really agree with that. I kind of think the line was right at six, six and a half, uh, and maybe even touch high. I mean, the, the Colts could be the, the Colts don't have to be good at all. But definitely a scenario, like you said, where where I the Colts are the quote sharp side, and I do think six and six and a half will be back gamed. I don't think there'll be enough Colt money to keep the line down. Yeah, I, I think that's that's super, super, super interesting. I in my fake sharp head, I'll also like uh the Colts in that game, but that means absolutely Nothing, of course. A couple other spots I wanted to ask you about. San Francisco going to Jimmy mm-hmm. Garoppolo. Is that an upgrade for you, a downgrade? I was a little bit surprised that they were a road favorite here in the Sunday night game against the Broncos. It's an upgrade in my book for now. I mean, I, I think we talked about this last week or possibly I said this on Rufus's pod the other night that clearly San Francisco was doing the right thing by playing Lance and it was probably their, maybe the best chance to win the Super Bowl. I mean, high variance, a whole season of getting better. But for this week, 
there's no question in my mind Garoppolo is better. He's got the Kittle's back. Kittle's supposed to be 100%. San Francisco's a very good football team. They have an excellent defensive line, good defensive backs, good coaching on both sides. Got two of the two of the top seven or eight skill players between Kittle, if you call any of the skill players, well as he blocks and Debo Samuel. Now they have a distributor who can actually get the ball to these guys versus you know Lance kind of holding the ball for a long time. <laughs> I think one 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 way I like to judge a quarterback is. If it plays open, how fast does the ball leave his hand? And the very best, I mean, think about how fast Aaron Rodgers gets the ball, releases the ball when, when the design play is there. Mm-hmm. And that speed, even if it's a like, you know, quarter second, half second, that's the difference between you know a guy grabbing a 20 yak and a you know guy getting pulled down. And these guys that that that, that want to run, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with me, I love running quarterbacks. It they're just not as quick to simply make the play in front of them. That's a that's basically my knock on Russ Wilson and, and Watson too. And Garoppolo, for his faults, he will make the play in front of him. The play is there. He's going to throw the ball to that player in a fairly quick, you know, for the NFL fashion. I think San Francisco is much – I like San Francisco in this game. I think San Francisco is a lot better team than th- this version of the Broncos, who I think is still incredibly overrated yeah. uh, across the board. Well, you so maybe you can explain to people what's going on in this odd screen here. Deck Prism is obviously your company. You have a two and a half out there. That's not actually uh, the line you put out that people can bet against, right? So I guess for people looking well, at this sorry, screen. That's like our main line. Keep in mind, that's not really a two and a half. So so the way our system works, we don't we don't put up anything less than two and a half. The way, I, the way, the way we see it, you can bet the money line. So rather than giving the – giving the player two main choices for a big bet between pick and one, we're giving them pick and two and a half. It's just mm-hmm. a, you know, we've got pickup for probably what's fairly in line with everybody else with the got same, it. the same price. What you see from the two and a half, it, it just kind of looks a little funky. You remember that the two is not worth much. It, yeah. That line might be leaning to San Francisco by half percent or so, I, but, but it's, it's probably close to the market without me turning away to look at, look at it. Got it. Understood. Okay. I wanted to bring up a concept of opening lines. I think, there's so much like talk out there in sports betting and sports media. What's the opening line? What, what did it open at, et cetera, et cetera. I don't even know what that means. Like what opener are we talking about? Are we talking about Chris opener? Are we talking about deck prism opener? Are we talking about DraftKings opener? Are we talking about look ahead lines? What? Because, and it's specific to this week, people are saying, oh, Green Bay Tampa opened 47 and a half the total. It's now down to 41 and a half. So maybe you can give the people a little bit about how you think about what an opening line is and maybe this Green Bay Tampa total as well. But I, I think the world of when lines are open and when people are able to bet is changing fast. Like I, I see a world, and certainly I'm a proponent of it, where every single game all year remains up with a price on it throughout. I don't see even like wh- why would he even take it down while they're playing? You know, simply have a system that that moves the line if a guy gets hurt or if a team looks a little bit better. That's where I see this going. That's that's certainly what <laughs> what what our software, what Deck Prism software, is you know aiming at. Have all lines up at all times. Look a heads up. The whole season, there's just there's almost no reason not to. Now, traditionally, what you'd have is opening lines would happen shortly after the week ended. Mm-hmm. And you'd have simply sharp bookmakers or handicappers making numbers based on power ratings. Okay, but you're book you're putting up a lot of games. You're doing it tired. For the most part, those numbers are you know, and the operators that are that are displaying them that are taking bets on them. They know that too. And if they take a bet, they're likely to, to move it a bunch, much more so they would later in the week. And if you're if you're a uh, a handicapper or the modeler, if you if you put your time and money into beating 
say an NFL side or an NFL total, probably don't want to bet into those openers. Why? Because you're not going to get a lot down if if you're putting all your time and you know resources and think about the the uh, the expense of you know you're you're paying you're you're paying people to grab the data, you're paying people to clean the data. You to 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 be able to make a good NFL number, it takes a team of people. It's not like one guy with a pencil and paper. And that operation is expensive. And to fund that operation, you can't just go make you know say eight to ten thousand dollars worth of bets on Saturday afternoon on a team that you like and call it good. I mean, you do the math, and you're just not going to break even. You're mm-hmm. or, or close, even if you're consistently right. So the level of better that you see betting into those lines is going to be less sophisticated. It's going to be a, a less of an opinion than say someone betting later in the week when the when the market's larger. And now we've taken that one step further with these like look ahead lines, whereas the week before the market's really thin. People putting them up or I mean, for the most part, just guessing. No one's really betting him yet. I do expect this to change, but like we mentioned that Tampa, I don't think anybody with a reasonable opinion would think that that, that, that Tampa Green Bay this week should be 47 and a half. I mean, you've got Tampa's running the ball because they can't pass block. They've got no receivers. <laughs> Green Bay's a super slow running team. Both teams have been playing good defense. Both teams have been playing low-scoring, under-type games, conservative coaching. So – when you talk about like even though I saw the circuit actually open 45 and a half, that was probably the circuit of Nevada. That was probably late Sunday afternoon. That was probably, you know, a basically a poorly thrown dart. And then by the time any real money could have been bet, it was, you know, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday, even more so through the weekend. And, you know, so to me, like the opening number is like kind of the number that, that the first number that you could really get a big bet down, say. And like for that game, it's, you know, I don't think that number's really moved since Monday, you know, 41 and a half, 42 ish. Yep. And David, I mentioned all the issues in that game and, you know, Packers are decimated at wide receiver bucks are decimated everywhere, including offensive line and wide receiver. And so not surprised that it's 42. It's just kind of striking. I think for people to be like, Rogers is playing Brady. Oh, 41 and a half. <laughs> right. like, you know, yeah, their ages are almost a hundred too. You yeah. know? <laughs> no, it's not I- quite Rogers and Brady from five years ago. Yeah. They're both uh, playing last thing I want- well for their age, but they're still not as good as they were. Sure. Last thing I wanted to mention before we get out of here is the injuries in Buffalo. I think even the mainstream now has understands what's going on with Buffalo. I mean, they're missing like literally half of their defensive starters for this game against the Dolphins. How do you think about moving the line around when you get defensive injuries? Maybe not to frontline players, but to a lot of starters. I mean, the the, da- the danger there is a you know with ten with this term cluster injuries, i.e., it doesn't really usually affect NFL teams or any football team to have one or two players, even if they're good. The the difference between anybody but the the best of the best and the what tends to be the, the backup level, it's usually not that great. It's a t- very much a team game. Coaching's important. There's eleven players on either side, but with Buffalo here, we have. You know, at least three secondary guys out, which means they have to dig to their to the practice with people that really aren't getting the reps. Probably going to see people on the field that were recently signed or haven't been with the team since training camp. And that could definitely add up. Now, that being said, in this case, I think it actually could be a little bit overrated because it's not a complicated zone they play. They not managed. Buffalo's success comes from rushing the passer and coaching, the, yeah. the coaching of the defensive backs. And I think... I tend to think that, that that as good as Poyer and Hyde are, and I, I think Poyer is actually going to play, that the, the coaching is the overwhelming factor there. And I actually think that they'll, they'll probably be just fine. Mm-hmm. You know, for, 
Also, when you think about who they're playing against, Tyreek Hill's running past any of those people, any of the backups, you know, regardless. The game is going to come down to, you know, can Tua buy time? The the Vaughn Miller versus, uh, I forget the right tackle for the, the Miami's name. I think Armstead's going to miss, which is going to be a big loss for Miami. And, and, definitely an interesting game. So far, it's been a lot of money on Miami, a lot of money on over. It's really hard to come up with to come up with this total. It's, this total's too high. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I do think it'll it'll come down, although there's also money on the over partially. Like I said, you, everybody watched Baltimore. I mean, remember the, I think the narratives are a little bit at play here as well. Last week, Baltimore, all these defensive back injuries, supposedly. And what happened Sunday? Four fourth quarter touchdowns. Guys are running wide open. I mean, there was, I think, three completely, complete blown coverage. Well, even with the backups, I'd be surprised if Buffalo blows one coverage on, 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 on Sunday. This is a... a Easily, in my mind, the best coach, the, the best defensive coaching, and I think they'll 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 be coached reasonably and play have a reasonable game plan and not get – it won't be like last Sunday again in my mind. It, like, to David's point, it's not that confusing, right? Like, they don't blitz. Like, they, they literally just get pressure with their front four or their front, and, and the defense backs play in the zone. And so, yeah, I think that's uh, an interesting point there on the bills and they play a lot of cover too they play i would expect expect a lot of man cover i would expect a lot of man cover too in this game from buffalo if, if i were coaching buffalo that's that that oh, that's baby. what i would do allow the safeties to uh to stay over the top of of hill and waddle and not let them i mean a couple of the bigger plays that were made were miami Miami has good offensive coach mcdaniel's been pretty good uh oh, yeah. Finding holes in a very weak and poorly played Baltimore zone. I think we'll see Buffalo play man. The thing about playing man too is you you don't need a lot of practice time to play man. The guy that was cut the second week of trading camp, you line him up over here. You say cover him. You don't really ha- you don't need to read. You don't you don't have to know what your other players are doing. You don't have to know where your help is coming from. Zone's much more complicated. So I would expect Buffalo to play a lot of man. Okay. I would expect Miami to trade. I think Miami's going to have to run the ball in this game, which is another reason the totals too high. Yeah, I mean. Dude, if they play man, Tyreek Hill is going to go, and Waller are going to go berserk. I mean, come on, they just run right past these guys. They can't, they can't stay with them. Well, you uh, have a deep safety. That's what the deep safeties are for. That's why you're, yeah. you're rushing for. You're covering seven. I love David Al getting his hand in the dirt for the football guy take. It's the best. Okay, love it. That is going to do it for week three of Establish the Bets with Matthew David Al. Appreciate all you guys being here and checking this out. If you ever have any feedback of things you want us to talk about, macro concept, of course. Uh, feel free to reach out to me and I'll see if we can ask King David out about it. Good luck this weekend for Matt, for producer Adam. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.